Cruise Control streams live every Saturday starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. Watch us live on Facebook and YouTube. Details are in this podcast's episode information. This is Cruise Control. Control. Your on-air automotive magazine with co-hosts Fred Stodd and Les Jackson. Control. Everything you need to know about new and used cars. Control. Industry news. We'll fix or repair your car on the air. Control. Fasten your seatbelts and let us take the wheel. Now, your ride is about to begin. Control. Because you're on Cruise Control. Cruise Control. Cruise Control. Yes, indeed. You are on Cruise Control. Welcome to our sort of uh, lovely van in the sky. I'm Les Jackson. The other guy you're about to hear is Fred Staub. This is your on-air automotive magazine, as we are each and every week. And as with each and every week, we've got a ton of stuff to talk about. We sure do, Les. Uh, we, uh, we are going to take a look at what's going on at Ford. Their CEO, Jim Farley, is talking about reimagining the company, improving quality, and uh, changing things up. And could that mean he's looking to spin off the new electric vehicles? You know, uh, well, I, I'm, I don't know, to be honest, <laughs> but we'll find out. At least we'll speculate. And we have pricing information on uh, some new models from Kia and Mazda. Yeah, always uh, good to get the pricing information. And then uh, we're going to talk to Alfa Romeo's North American head, Larry Dominique, to discuss the Tonale Compact crossover and the future of the brand in the U.S. We'll talk about electrification, a whole lot of other good things. Great conversation with Larry. That's great. And uh, we're also going to talk some tech. This is tires without air in them. That's called a flat tire, by the way. <laughs> this, uh, this new technology but, just into the cruise control yeah. newsroom. <laughs> exactly. No, you can actually drive on these. Michelin uh, has uh, is making sets now for some of the vehicles that you'll be driving. Yeah, a lot of electric vehicles, they're actually looking at putting them on, and one in yeah. particular will we'll tell you about that, and, and a whole lot more when we get rolling on this edition of Cruise Control, your on-air automotive magazine. Don't forget, check us out at cruisecontrolradio.com, where you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, all that and more. And uh, you were saying, Les Jackson, that your uh, family owned an Alfa Romeo? We, for 13 years, proving I'm a very good mechanic. Um, <laughs> yes, good at Alpha, rest repair, too. <laughs> yeah, an Alfa Spider. Yeah. Used every day. And um, still was my wife's favorite car. Yeah, they're, they're fun cars and... Uh, you know, uh, when I talked to Larry Dominique, the head of uh, North American Alpha, he uh, said that there's plenty more excitement coming down the line. We'll talk about that uh, because uh, it was good, good, good chat with him. And Tonali, they're very excited yep. about their compact CUV. We told you a little bit about it last week, but um, Larry has a lot more to say about it. Um, they, they just can't wait to get the thing out to the... Uh, to the dealers, and uh, I'm sure the yeah. dealers can't wait for them to get it out to the dealers. So. Well, that's right. But, <laughs> of course, as we've been saying for several months, 
don't buy anything right now. Yeah, we'll talk about that and more (laughs) when we come back on Cruise Control, your on-air automotive magazine. Stay tuned. Cruise Control is your on-air automotive magazine. Check us out at cruisecontrolradio.com. Cruise Control. And welcome back to Cruise Control, your on-air automotive magazine. It's Fred Staub and Les Jackson. We are along for, we have you along for the ride. uh, And we're glad you're along for the ride because uh, we've got a lot to get to, Les. And uh, this week... Jim Farley, who is the CEO of the Ford Motor Company, you've heard of them. They're a, a new upstart uh, uh, company, right? Yeah, <laughs> I've owned a f- bunch of Fords. <laughs> who hasn't? I think everyone yeah. has. You know, they've got some uh, EVs in their lineup right now. And of course, right now it is the uh, E Transit and of course the upcoming Lightning, which they have a tremendous amount of uh, demand for that, the electric F-150. And uh, then they also have the uh, Mustang uh, Mach-E, which is uh, doing very well and and kind of of getting people back into the idea of buying a Ford. Uh, Well, there is a kind of a plan being hatched by Jim Farley. There was a rumor, basically, that he would spin off all the electric vehicles into its own company. He says he's not going to do that. And that makes sense because if everything's going to go all electric, what would you be left with? What would the old (laughs) Ford company be left building? That's right. And when you spin off a division, just the sheer logistics of creating a division, you know, like Saturn was, it, it costs hundreds of millions of dollars just to do that. Yeah, so you're not going to he's not going to do that, but what he does want to do is kind of uh transition the company away from being big, complex and wasteful. Uh they have I believe 183,000 employees worldwide. They wants to trim that down. Uh right now Ford has 15% of the auto market and uh he wants to increase that. And look for new ways to build vehicles and uh, new technologies and different ways to approach the business, the automotive business. And you and I have talked about this. One of the ways they want to do it is subscriptions, uh, electronic subscriptions. They also, I believe, want to use data mining so to tell right. manufacturers where you've been and where you're going and what you're buying and what you're looking at. Um I guess that's what he's talking about here. These are new revenue streams for them. Um, But he feels it's still a company in the past and wants to, um, in, you know, in many ways, update it. He says Ford's distribution costs are $3,000 to $4,000 higher than Tesla's. And he's seeking to cut that down and make more money for the company. As you know, Wall Street loves to hear stuff like this, don't they? Well, they do. And uh, I think Farley is is kind of a pioneer here because he's what he's saying is that the traditional marketing approach of the car industry uh, is obsolete. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, it's interesting uh, too. I wonder if that means the dealer network is <laughs> it's obsolete too. Well, you and I both feel that way. Yeah, uh, we're not the only ones. If he could control that supply of cars from start to finish, um, and then all the maintenance work goes back, and you say, "Well, we have factory technicians, trained technicians here," um, that would be a plus too. I think. I think they're trying to what he's trying to do is take the good things of Tesla, i.e., you know, some of the manufacturing strategies, some of the new way of looking at the business, uh, and then keep some of the better things from Ford, like doors that don't fall off or <laughs> roofs that like quality control. <laughs> like quality control. Uh, yeah. And I told you this story this week. Um about uh, the truck full of Teslas that passed me. Yeah, they were all, the alarms were all going off and uh, six, lights flashed. Five of the six, their car alarms were going off for mile after mile after mile. That's a good way to deplete the battery if you have, <laughs> you sure, want to get rid of not? extra. It must be terrible to drive in the truck hauling it too. It would be annoying I, and embar embarrassing. I doubt that he heard it. I think he probably was up there in the cab. Um, you know, with his sound system on, um, probably didn't notice it. <laughs> yeah. Or he hits a, a wicked bump to do that. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But, uh, but this is, uh, this, this was reported by Bloomberg news. Uh, he, he definitely says he's not spinning off electric vehicles. Jim Farley, this is the CEO. No, I, I don't think that's a good idea. Not, frankly. he's not spinning off. Yeah. I think it's a right. good idea not to spin them off. Yes. That's what I was saying. Because this is going to be his lineup. I mean, Ford was a little late to the party. I mean, of course, they had the electric Focus and a couple other uh, kind of tester vehicles. So he's just getting into it. All he needs to do is make all his electric vehicles as popular as the Mach-E and the upcoming Lightning, and he'll have no problem. But, <laughs> hey, we are, right. we're going to be back with more cruise control after this. Stay tuned. We're going to have some pricing information from Kia and Mazda. So stay tuned. Cruise Control. And welcome back to Cruise Control. I'm Les. He's Fred. We have some prices for the uh, for the new 22 Kias, at least some of them. 2023, actually, Les. Uh, 23, yes, that's right. Because once you make something, sell it after January of a given year, you can call it the following year. All right. Well, uh, this so. The Sportage is a pretty cool vehicle, um, and it always has been a good vehicle for Kia, hasn't it? It has. It's been popular since it came out many years ago. Uh, people love them. They're, mm -hmm. they're inexpensive. Mm -hmm. So considered a subcompact SUV, um, and it starts, the 2023 Kia Sportage starts at 25990 which is not a bad starting spot, is it? No. That's, you know, is there anything less than 20 anymore? <laughs> I don't. I mean, nothing. Nothing that the average person would buy. <laughs> no. So, um, 
Let's talk a little bit about this. It starts with the LX. It's available. The vehicle's available in both uh, front-wheel drive and all-wheel drive, at least uh, all of the offerings except for the X-Line. Now, the X-Line is the little bit more aggressive-looking, um, kind of raised up, bigger, more aggressive tires and wheels version. That is only available in all-wheel drive. But starts. Right. If you get a front-wheel drive Sportage LX, it starts at $25,990, all-wheel drive $27,790. Of course, it's a Kia, so it's well-equipped, which means uh, you don't have to spend extra for a lot of things like heated seats right. and uh, and a nice uh, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay and all that. Uh, then you step up the line to the EX, which is at twenty seven thousand nine ninety for front wheel drive, twenty nine thousand seven ninety. Then you're into the X line, all wheel drive all the time. Les Jackson, mm -hmm. thirty thousand seven ninety, uh, which is which is still not a bad price for a, a fairly up up the range vehicle, right? You know, actually, uh, that's pretty much what everyone would want. That's the sweet spot, as they say. Yeah. Um, and then you can go for something a little less rugged looking, a little bit more, um, I would say, luxurious. The SX and the SX Prestige in all-wheel drive, they're 33290 and 35290 The Sportage X Pro, which is once again the off-wheel drive, off-wheel drive, the all-wheel drive oh, off-road yes. version, thirty-four thousand nine ninety, and then top of the range, the Sportage X Pro Prestige, thirty-six thousand seven ninety. So, not a bad range of vehicles. It is built on uh, what they call the N3 platform. This is the fifth generation of the Sportage. Um, and uh, I can't wait to drive it. And there also, by the way, there are turbocharged hybrid and plug-in variants, which will launch at a later date. We don't have pricing on those yet, but these are no. the more traditional. Well, they'd be a gas few models. thousand more. Yeah. Um, but it is exciting that they are offering a full range of vehicles, both trim-wise and uh, plug-in hybrid and hybrid modes. Uh, so I, I think that's great. These are uh, worthy competitors to, uh, well, I guess what, RAV4 would probably be a... Uh, RAV4. Um, Rogue. Probably. Uh, Rogue. Also the Honda... Uh, I'm having a mental CRV. <laughs> yeah, CRV. Yeah, uh, and which is also going to get a little bit more rugged, and also going to get, um, it's it's going to get bigger in the next version, and it well, needs more power. All of these, yeah. If you uh, park the original ones next to any of these, you'll see that they've grown by a foot and a half, <laughs> which is over yeah. the years. Yeah. Uh, you know. So so there you have it. But let's talk a little bit about Mazda, uh, the Mazda CX-50, which is the brand new signature model for the folks over at Mazda. They say this thing is going to 
basically double their sales in the U.S. It's a compact CUV, so at least they have the right genre to do that. But uh, mm -hmm. there are two pricing on it. It starts very, very comfortably at uh, for the 2.5 liter S with an MSRP of 26800 And then the range tops off with the CX-50 2.5 turbo starting at 36400 So you, you notice the pricing is very similar to the Sportage. Uh, both of these it, it vehicles is, although, will go head-to-head. -head. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that that the uh, now of course the turbo isn't just the turbo it's other stuff yeah but that's a you know almost an eleven thousand dollar difference yeah well that turbo will produce two hundred and fifty six horsepower three hundred twenty pound feet of torque on premium gas so Mazda is one of the uh, brands that gives you the different horsepower ratings whether you run premium or uh, 87 octane. I always found that interesting. Most manufacturers don't, but um, if you run it on regular, you'll get 227 horsepower, 310 pound-feet of torque. Both will flow through a six-speed automatic transmission, which is plenty. I hate... That's fine. Once you go over that, it gets too discombobulated. Um, and so uh, that's not bad power range. They don't talk about zoom zoom anymore, but that is pretty. No, that's zoom, out zoom. of the advertising. Yeah, that's out of the advertising. Uh, but um, they have high hopes for this vehicle, and um, it's uh, they have a number of different packages. We don't have a breakout on all of them, but uh, there's select, preferred, preferred plus, premium, and a bunch of others uh, coming up. And uh, yeah, we do actually have pricing on it. The um, it ranges from the CX-50 2.5S, 26800 If you want to go all the way in, less uh, CX-50 2.5 Turbo Premium Plus, 41550 right. That Now, see, that's so nice that you would never want to take it off-road. No, I and I don't see this as a hardcore off-roader. No, no. Well, really, no. none of them are. Uh What's interesting, too, is the premium paint. Uh, they have, I think, five different premium paint colors, and they're all $395 more. That has become uh, pretty common now uh, yeah. to, see, to see premium paint offered. It is typically tinted clear coat, and it adds anywhere from $300 to $500. It has to make another step back through the paint booth to to get that uh, tinted clear coat, but it sure does look nice. So, well, it does. Um, and uh, you know, the whole industry is kind of going that way, as you said, but, but, but the base colors for a lot of vehicles are sort of boring these days. They the ones, sure are. The ones you don't have to pay a premium for. Yeah. So they want to encourage you to move over to that premium yes. or step up to incentive. <laughs> the incentive is, you pay more, <laughs> but uh, but there you have it. We'll we'll have more on the CX fifty as uh, I believe they just started building uh, the actual production model. So we'll we'll talk more about that vehicle. Uh, by the way, the base engine. We got a question on the base engine. The base two point five non turbo is one eighty seven uh, and one hundred eighty six pound feet of torque, and that I guess is just 
just regular octane. They don't really break that out. But uh, hey, Les, coming up, I'm going to have a conversation with Larry Dominique, who is the head of Alpha Romeo North America. We talked about Mm -hmm. the Tonali, uh, their new compact crossover, hot market. So we will talk about that and hear from Larry when we come back on Cruise Control. You are on air, Automotive Magazine. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and more, CruiseControlRadio.com. We are live every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Watch us on Facebook and YouTube. Details are in this podcast's episode information. Cruise Control. And welcome back to Cruise Control, your on-air automotive magazine. I had a chance to talk with Larry Dominique, who is the head of uh, Alfa Romeo North America. Larry, welcome to Cruise Control. It's great to have you on, and it's great to talk a little bit about the Alfa Romeo brand. Uh, thanks for thanks for inviting me, Fred, and, and looking forward to talking about it. You know, before we get started, we should talk about the fact that Alfa is 100 years old, and there's not many automotive brands that can make that claim. Um, and it's had a it's had a very interesting history. Yeah, we have, you know, actually we celebrated our 111th birthday last year. Um, and some of our brands, some of our models, for example, Julia just hit its 60th birthday as a brand from a car point of view. So it is it is a very storied brand, Fred. Um, every, going back all the way to Enrio Ferrari racing for us in the 1920s, a very consistent DNA over those 111 years. And there are not only very few brands that have been around that long, Certainly very few brands that have been around that long and been consistent in how they think about the world of uh, beautiful design and great, uh, great vehicle performance. Well, you kind of have some very definitive feelings on the Alfa Romeo brand, like who the customer is. I mean, maybe before we jump into Tonale, let's let's hear a little bit about how you envision the brand. That's a great question, Fred. And if you look at our brand. So we're a bit of a, you might say a smaller challenging brand, challenger brand, you know, in the marketplace. And we are really for a brand that for people who want to do something different, be something different from the other offerings that are in the market today. When you look at the reasons why people buy Alfa Romeo, the number one and number two reasons are all about performance and the vehicle design. So it's a very consistent kind of customer. It's about emotion. It's about this Italian design and and the kind of emotion that it invokes in you when you're actually driving and and seeing those vehicles. And what's interesting, a lot of people don't realize this, but we actually have, of all the premium brands, the youngest demographic. So our average age is around 44 years old, very affluent. So we're on the Gen X, high end of the millennial side. And we're attracting this kind of new generation of people who, who, who are really want that kind of standout opportunities. So that's that's pretty much a coveted thing to have in the automotive industry, that you have a very, very young demographic. I mean, brands have spent a lot of money to get that, and you're lucky to have that right away. We absolutely are. You know, the younger demographic does a couple of things for us. Um, what you're seeing right now is a rapid increase in the millennial influence in premium purchases. So millennials as such a large demographic compared to Gen X's and compared to baby boomers, 
Um, these are the future, at least for the next 20 years or 30 years, these are the future of, of premium car buyers. So to already be tapping into that demographic and psychographic is really important for us. And unlike a lot of other brands, which are trying to change their image from selling to 60, 70, you know, late boomers, early boomers, um, they have to really change the perception with the younger demographic on what their brand stands for. We don't have to do that. What we have to do, Fred, is we actually have to expand the awareness for our brand. That's probably one of our biggest weaknesses today is people who know us really know us. But there's a lot of people who don't yet know us, but will. <laughs> that leads us into uh, your new product, the Tonali. And of course, it's a compact CUV. That's got to be the biggest segment, growing segment of the automotive industry. You have to play in that space for sure. You know, to be a successful brand in the North American market, you have to play in all the key, what we refer to as profit pool segments. You got to be C, D, E. And Tonali, um, and a lot of people, you know, would, might say, where did Tonali come from? Tonali is the name of a mountain pass. And it really, it really, you know, harkens back to who we are as, as a brand from a DNA point of view. So Tonali for us is a really, really important launch. Not only the first all new launch for us in about five years, but it's also in a segment, as you mentioned, Fred, rapidly growing, very important for from a volume point of view in North American market. And it's gonna be really nice to bring what we refer to as metamorphosis or metamorphosity into this, this segment. We believe Tonali brings this kind of alphaness to a, to a segment that's in need of kind of that infusion. Yeah, when you look at, Tonali, it's a premium product. I mean, a lot of the compact CUVs are kind of basic. They're getting a few, uh, you know, higher end features, of course. But Tonali starting out um, as a as a kind of a high end, well equipped vehicle. I mean, you look at it right away. They're all all wheel drive, at yeah. least in the U.S. I don't know whether it's like that around the world. Um, so it starts out as a premium product. It's not. It's not a uh, kind of entry-level product that maybe there's a nice version. They're all nice versions. Yeah, the way we think about our product plan in general, Fred, is we don't we don't believe that you just need to have this, this multitude of offerings with high complexity because when you talk to consumers, they know what they want. Most of them know what they want. So when we think about how we want to position Tonali, you're right. We're all-wheel drive. That's the only thing we're going to be offering in North America. We do have two-wheel drive in some other markets of the world, but in the U.S. and Canada and Mexico, it's all-wheel drive only. We offer two powertrains only. We offer the 256 horsepower, two-liter turbo GME engine, and then we're offering our first electrified Alfa Romeo on the high end of Tonali. So it's not just a plug-in hybrid offer in the brand. It's actually our 272 horsepower highest performing Tonali is actually our electrified version. So for us, it's about kind of a compact um, level number, number of combinations, but having that right level of content, including all of the level two kind of Otis technologies, we want to make sure all the passive safety is there on 100% of our cars. That's what premium customers expect. And that's what we're going to put in. So you differentiate on the performance, you differentiate on things, some of the aesthetic things, wheel size and some of the other things like that. Yeah, let's talk about the powertrains because they're certainly interesting. Uh, I'm a big fan of plug-in hybrids right now mm -hmm. as we transfer over uh, eventually to all battery electrics. That's something that your brand's going to do by 2027. Um, but right now, I think it's a great way for people to get their uh, dip their toe into electrification. And, and let's look at that. It's a 1.3 liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine. Mm -hmm. 
uh, 15.5 kilowatt hour lithium battery, 90 kilowatt electric motor, uh, electric range of 30 miles. One of the, the great things about this is it's an all wheel drive vehicle and electrification really makes sense for all wheel drive because the rear wheels are driven completely electrically. No drive train, no drive shaft, no, um, you know, differential means that's a lot lighter weight as well. Correct. And, and, and as, as an alpha, one of the first things you're going to see we're talking about is the weight balance front to rear. So even as a plug-in hybrid, we are about 52-48. So we're almost a 50-50 balance, which is exactly where you want it to be. And as to your point, Fred, with the rear 90 kilowatt motor in the back, we directly drive the rear, rear vehicles. And this is another great thing about alphaness, if you want to call it that. So if you're in the eco mode, we have a very special thing in alpha called our DNA selector. So you can go from, from eco to normal to performance. And with, with the plug-in hybrid, it's kind of unique because when you're in eco mode, you can get 30 plus miles of pure electric range. If you're in normal mode, you're going to have that normal automatic balance between the electrification and, and the, and the uh, actual uh, internal combustion engine performance driving some of the vehicle. And then when you're in the dynamic mode, not only does it change shifting and changes uh, steering and everything else, it also allows you to deliver that power in a more direct way to those rear wheels to get that torque moving off the line faster. So you get to choose as a driver, whether you want to focus more on electrification and the, and the fuel economy or the autonomy, or you want to really drive and, and have the performance. And let's face it, 30 miles of electric range will handle most people's needs uh, around town, uh, probably for almost pretty much a week, I would imagine, right? Absolutely will. And, and to us, part of that metamorphosis for us is, as you mentioned, us moving towards a full electric brand, a pure, pure battery electric brand starting in 2025. But this is our first electrified vehicle. And if you look historically, other than a few vehicles like Prius, a lot of offers today were always an alternative powertrain to an existing vehicle. And that's not the way we think of it as Alfa Romeo. It's Alfa Romeo first. And then the powertrain happens to be mated to the vehicle the right way to deliver a certain level of Veloce or TI or Sprint or Quadrifoglio. When, uh, what's the plan for seeing this in U.S. showrooms? Yeah, so the current plan is to launch it in Q4 of this year in Italy in our Pomigliano plant. Uh, we hope to see the GME or the two liter turbo version uh, on sale early January. And then we're gonna launch the plug-in hybrid early January, which should see sales end of February, early March. So. Uh, we're re really excited, and we're going to be talking a lot more about it as we get, go through the year for sure, Fred. Larry, you have to say the name of the plant again because I'll let you say it so I don't mess it up. Pomigliano. Yeah. Where is that in Italy? Southern Italy. So Southern Italy, and they will all be built there? Correct. Wow. Okay, great. Well, if people want more information on the Alpha Tonali, kind of uh, maybe raise their hand about it and, and get in line for one, where would they go? Yeah, come to our website. Alpha Male USA, and, and, and you can sign up as a hand raiser. We'll keep you on the email list. We'll send you updates as we get closer to production. Um, and we've had tremendous response already. So I'm very excited about the initial, initial excitement around the vehicle. All right, Larry Dominique, head of Alpha Romeo North America. We appreciate you being on and talking about the Alpha Romeo. Look forward to uh, driving the Tonale when it comes out. Great. Thanks, Fred. No, appreciate you uh, asking us to come on board and talk about it. Cruise Control is your on-air automotive magazine. Check us out at cruisecontrolradio.com. Cruise Control. 
Hey, welcome back to Cruise Control. We are still rolling and we have an interesting, just a quickie uh, about the 2022 Hummer Edition 1. Yeah. Which it turns out, Fred, is heavy and large enough to tow a small planet. <laughs> it's a little heavy. That was the best Dom DeLuise impression <laughs> I've ever seen. Well, yeah. it, it's true, Les. Uh, this is going to weigh 9,063 pounds. That's, wow. That's a lot of weight. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's four and a half tons. Is that like, I might be wrong, but. Over a traditional SUV is about what six thousand pounds, sixty five hundred pounds. Uh, no, just... about it may about five thousand more. But that's <laughs> that's like, that's that... another SUV and a and a motorcycle. Yeah, exactly. Wow, uh, this was submitted. Uh, the, these specs were submitted to self certification via self certification to mm. the uh, U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. And uh, this was found out, uh, car and driver found this out by looking at this. Uh, so if you load that up with uh, humans and their accessories, <laughs> as car and driver says, uh, the truck's gross vehicle weight rating comes in at 10,550 pounds. Wow. Now, the battery alone weighs 2,923 pounds. <laughs> this is like a... Uh, like a ton and a half. Yeah. It's like a, a... We're getting into, you know, mid-size, heavy-duty truck type of uh, situation here, aren't we? Yeah, it, it is. It's like a semi. <laughs> so... But, but the miles per gallon equivalent is impressive. Yeah, you look at that, just read off some of those numbers. That's pretty amazing. Well, because you know this this equates itself to a a big a big hauling truck, which typically a diesel gets eight miles to the gallon. Yeah, but this electric, the miles per gallon equivalent that that they submitted to the EPA, are fifty one city. And forty-three highway, forty-seven combined. That's that's just incredible. Yeah, for all that weight, for all that weight. But it will yeah. be a lightweight, that's for sure. There's a lot of stuff going on in there, and like we say, you look at that battery, and you think about well, what would an engine weigh? An engine weigh what thousand pounds? Plus, oh yeah, plus for, yeah, uh, for transmission, a, rear for a truck. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the the battery alone is almost is closing in on three thousand plus the motors and all that. Then you've got two motors. It's uh, it's a lot of weight. A lot a lot of a and lot of it's a lot of money. Well, you know, to carry that, you would need tires. <laughs> this is my crazy segue, right? You would need big tires. Yeah. Well, Michelin's got something a little bit different planned, and. Uh, this is, uh, th I remember when this came out, this was called the Tweel, right? And the, it's been in use, the tires, uh, it's been in use for uh, things like garden tractors, lawnmowers, uh, skid loaders, things like that. But now, yep. CNN is reporting that uh, 
Michelin has teamed up with Chevy, and they're saying, and this is an interesting bit of information, that the next generation Chevy Bolt, which we didn't even think there would be one. Uh, this is a, a good announcement in itself. That, uh, that this would be on the next generation Chevy Bolt. It's a lot lighter. Uh, it is airless. You don't, you'll never, you'll never, you know, have to uh, fill these things with air or nitrogen, although some dealer will probably charge you to fill it with nitrogen, even though there's no, <laughs> nothing to fill. Yeah. Um, and uh, it will be lighter. It will be completely recyclable. Um, and uh, they're saying that this could be on the next generation Bolt. I wonder if the wheel and tire are one thing. You know, maybe maybe you they're all one. They call it the Michelin well, Optus. Michelin. I would Optus. think it would still wear out, so I think it has to go on its own. Yeah, on a wheel. Uh, it is designed. It is decidedly puncture proof. <laughs> um, think about Good this point. Th this is this is great. You will not need a spare because you will not run out of uh, air. Yep. Uh, and the only the down the only downside uh, for for them for Chevy is they're actually going to have to go through red tape paperwork to uh, exempt this from tire pressure monitoring system. Hey, you know that that is that that reminds me of when people bring their Teslas in for inspection they said well i have to do an emissions inspection on them and yeah. and they're like well you have to get the emissions inspection done but where do i put the sensor for the tailpipe <laughs> <laughs> there is that's no <laughs> there is no tailpipe <laughs> so that's very interesting yeah you will have to get an exemption because there's no air pressure um <laughs> That's that's right. I guess could you put the air pressure sensing system in and just have it read zero all the time and say, yeah, I got it. No, mean, I think I think it's an easy exemption to get. It's just that you have to fill you have to fill out the, the paperwork, paperwork for every model you make. Yeah. Well, look, think about it. People don't check their air pressure. It's one of the most ignored no, things. Um, in order to have like a central air pressure fill or something like that that would make it even easier sort of like what military trucks do it would be too costly too complex so i think this could be a great thing for the future i wonder how much lighter it is than well i can't imagine it being much lighter it would if it was a lot lighter it would it would increase range wouldn't it it would um but you know the the existing tire is hollow inside, so and the idea uh, that it can be recycled completely—that's great because tires are a major problem. It it's hard to get rid of them. Huge problem. They don't really decay, and um, this could be completely recycled. So I think that's a good talk and tech segment for today, don't you? Yeah. Uh, it really, it really is a good segment. Um, I, I also am kind of encouraged. I hope it's true. And it's funny how information leaks out. Of course, you know, we tell you a lot about, uh, car buzz, 
dot uh, com that uh, always has people looking at uh, different mm-hmm. patents and that. But in this case, uh, it was uh, car and driver. Uh, well, no, car and driver was actually for the heavyweight of the uh, uh, Hummer. But, uh, you know, I think there should be another generation of the Bolt. It will be Ultium powered, you know, their new powertrain, their new battery system. Why not? Will it be called the Bolt? Who knows? But uh, a small electric vehicle and with some really, really interesting technology on it like this, I think I think would be a cool deal. But uh, yeah, hats off to Michelin and uh, maybe airless tires are in our future. Yeah. You know, I, every car I review, I look now, does it have a spare tire or not? Um, and next hour, we're going to review the Toyota Corolla, which doesn't, but many do have the the uh temporary yeah, the space space saver yeah yeah but it, it's a good idea to do that on your vehicle because you don't want to be on the side of the road and realize hey i don't have anything to help myself it's a good idea <laughs> just to pop open the bottom of the storage area there and say what do i got near and how do i use it so Hey, we appreciate you listening to Cruise Control. Don't forget, check us out at cruisecontrolradio.com where you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. All that and more. Time for me to say I'm Fred Staub. I'm Les Jackson. We're going to see you down the road. Bye. Cruise Control streams live every Saturday starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. Watch us live on Facebook and YouTube. Details are in this podcast's episode information.